And he looked at me and he said, how is this all going to work? How are you going to be able to serve a mission? I just, I just don't see how you will be able to, to make a career like this work with the gospel. Have you ever dreamt about becoming an astronaut, joining the circus, or working as a taste tester in a chocolate factory? As we all know, it's rare that these childhood dreams are actually realised. Jake Mungakia is the exception. He grew up in a household filled with music, dance, and performance, and realised early on that he wanted to be a professional dancer. At age 10, he successfully auditioned for the Australian Ballet School, where he trained throughout his teenage years. While it was challenging, he managed to take some time out of his ballet career to serve a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Toronto. His religious conviction was clearly recognised as he's been awarded the Telstra People's Choice Award twice and is now a soloist in the Australian Ballet Company. In this episode, I chat with Jake about balancing his spiritual and professional commitments and how there's no one-size-fits-all approach to living the gospel. My name is Maddie Sterling and this is Choosing Faith, a podcast where we talk with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and explore what it's really like to live and continuously choose a life of faith in contemporary Australia. I've been looking forward to this conversation because I think it's really inspiring to find members of the church who uh, pick something that they love and just go for it and excel at it. Because we have kind of like a rigid routine structure for how we live our lives, like you go to church every Sunday and when you're a teenager, you've got youth on Wednesday nights and you've got service projects on Saturday. It can be difficult to juggle that all, (laughs) especially when you've got other interests. Maybe a good place to start would be to find out a little bit more about who you are. Okay. Um, Well, I've been a member of the church my whole life. I was born into a family who remembers my mom, Anita, is a convert to the church. Her and her family joined when she was 12. And my dad, he's been a member his whole life. And his dad was a convert to the church. My mom is from East Africa, Tanzania, Tanzania. Her family's all English and they like three generations back from England, settled in East Africa and built schools and churches and, you know, kind of settled there. And then they fled some um, political unrest that was happening there in the 70s, I want to say, or 60s or 70s, and moved to Australia into North Queensland. My dad... He was born in Malaysia mm-hmm. and he, his dad was in the Vietnam War. So like my dad's family were always traveling around to the different posts that he was sent to by the military, Sing- Singapore and Malaysia and New Zealand and moved to Australia when he was 12, I think. Yeah, then my parents met at a YSA convention. <laughs> And kind of on and off for the next seven years. (laughs) And then I was born. Um, My dad loved, you know, lots of sports and dancing. And my mum was a good swimmer and she loved art and dancing. And so, you know, 
there was always music in our house. Like mm. from from when I from when I was in my mum's tummy, they would you know play music and put headphones on her belly and. <laughs> Um, there's just always been music around. Um, so I've always loved, you know, dancing and singing with family. And It must be so inseparably linked to who you are now if you've yeah. just you've I mean, had it since you were a kid. The thing is, is I, I think I'm always going to be a, like a dancer or an artist regardless of what kind of structure or, you know, professional title. area I'm in. Yeah, title, mm. yeah. Uh, it'll always be a part of my home. There's a quote my dad likes, which I really like as well, um, dance to the rhythm of life with the spirit of youth. You know, it's, um, it's, uh, that's kind of the essence of, yeah, what I've grown up with and mm. what I want to keep. It's beautiful. And, and after the year that we've had, a lot of people have been so alone and haven't been able to connect with family and friends in that way. I think there's probably... A, a need even more <laughs> to, to continue that legacy on. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to see how um, the arts, along with a, a lot of other things, have been very quickly deemed non-essential. And it's been interesting to see, yeah, how that how we've coped, you know, without that. Yeah. So you've been dancing all your life. It's maybe more of a girl's dream when they're younger than a boy's to join the ballet. But was that the type of dancing that you liked from the very beginning? Yeah, so, so my dad, he um, he's an incredible person because he's just not your typical, um, yeah, your typical bloke. You know, he, he loves sport and he could relate to a lot of guys. Mm. But he also had this creative side that was was just there. You know, he wasn't, you know, trying to be anything. He was just, it was just part of who he was being creative. You know, mum was, loved that about him. Mm -hmm. And he would put music on and he'd get the 90s video camera and (laughs) he would explain a story to me and I'd have to act out the story. So he's like, pretend you're a snake. And I'd be like, (laughs) (laughs) pretend you're a tree. I'm like, that's cool. There's a storm coming and I'd be like, oh, no. You know, things like that playing around and then and the music would be on at the same time, always. Mm. Um, and then he would buy, he, he loved Michael Jackson, so he, he, he himself actually would learn the routines for like Thriller and all the different routines. And as I was growing up from like, you know, seven till 14, the so you remember the so fresh CDs? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then like <laughs> got Britney Spears with like, um, I think it was crazy and in sync with bye, bye, bye. Mm-hmm. You know, he would learn all the, um, choreography for the backup dancing for those film clips and he would teach us as kids. And so whenever, you know, people came over for dinner, he'd be like, oh, come on boys, let's, <laughs> let's put on the music and we, we do the Those dance moves are classic. Really, the thriller one really too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I felt completely comfortable to be, to want to, to be that, mm. you know, because my world at that time was, well, he, like, it was just, there was no was normal. stereotype or stigma behind how it might be too feminine or, uh, yeah. 
And, you know, obviously later on as I went through primary school and high school, I realized that that's not everyone's view. They, yeah, I mean, fair enough. They're, you know, the arts industry does have a, a, a very high percent of men that relate to the feminine. And, and, you know, I think it's also, it's interesting because being graceful or grace itself, people only attach to women, but when you see masculine grace, it's, it's, it's also a very real and, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. You know, mm. to to be a man, strong, you know, doesn't mean you have to look feminine, but strong grace. Yeah, it's a thing. Well, yeah. You ask any guy who maybe he plays a little bit of sport, he doesn't, but he reckons he's pretty blokey. Try and get him to do some ballet moves and he wouldn't last two seconds, right? There is yeah, yeah, so much strength and power involved in what you guys do. It's not an easy sport, I imagine. No. Uh, yeah, and yeah, actually, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always very flattered when people say a sport, actually, but, um, you know, I, I like to call it an art because, you know, that's what it is. It's, it's a craft, like you have to work on it, yeah, so that you can, you know, portray different emotions and, and you know, create different narratives and, and different feelings from the audience. So it's not easy, like... There's a lot to it. It's not only the physical aspect, it's, you know, your acting as well. You know, a lot of people when they um, they look at ballet, they think, oh, it, it looks easy, which is the, the best compliment. You want them to say that. <laughs> could give you is because that's the point. It's meant to look completely effortless and easy. And so if it, if it looks too hard, okay. <laughs> Maybe you haven't heard it quite yet. Yeah. That's funny. So when did you decide to pursue it professionally? Because you got into the school as a young kid, right? Yeah. So I was 10 years old. I was in Shepparton, a country Victorian town. Mm. And I had auditioned and successfully got into the school. I was um, an interstate I was put on the interstate group because I lived so far away from the city, Melbourne. So I went in every Saturday and that was it. The rest of my training was at my other ballet school. And we um, were getting ready for this gala. That was a combination of the, the Australian ballet school and the company. It was a special year and, and um, I was one of the first. So we had about 10 or eight boys in my level and level one. And then it goes up. You got the level two boys, level three boys, level four to eight. And then you got the company. Mm-hmm. And then the same with all the girls. It's quite impressive when you watch a, an Australian ballet school and Australian ballet defile where you see, you know, all these, like, you see these little boys walking out and then they get taller and taller and taller just like um, well, like the Russian dolls where they get bigger inside. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's quite, it's amazing to watch. Anyway. So I was, I was 10 years old and you know, this is a good insight to who I am. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea that we had this big performance. I was just enjoying the fact that I could dance to music in this really cool building that was for dance. I had, I had no, uh, 
experience of the theatre, the magic of the theatre, the big expansive spaces, the red velvet, the orchestra. The grandeur, yeah. The, 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 grandeur people, the things people wear when they attend as well. Exactly, yeah. Just, just that whole environment I had not experienced before. You know, I went inside stage and I was like, oh, what's going on? The teacher says, you have to walk into the stage. So I walked out and then I was like, you know, stood there and we have our little girl partners that we did a thing. And this is a state theatre stage. You know, so this is giant stage. The curtain was down. We were behind the curtain. And then I heard this music and, you know, hearing a live orchestra is so different. And so the, the curtain lifted and I was just like, whoa, like <laughs> the giant wall was moving up. And then you see these big black kind of abyss because the lights are on you, you can't see it. And as a 10 year old, I was just like, wow, like what is this world that I have just stepped into? Like, it's incredible. The thrill was amazing and all these people were involved. So that, that really was the moment where I wanted to, to be a part of it. You know, it wasn't like, what do I want to have as my job? I was like, I just want to be a part of this world because it's, it's incredible. Oh, you're like making me so sad that I didn't pursue the arts. <laughs> it just sounds so magical. Hey, you still can. I don't know, like laughing, so definitely. Um, and then... Obviously, you had the next couple of years to, to attend that school. Did the schedule change a little bit? So I went to the Australian Ballet School for one year from okay. 10 to 11. And then my parents, um, being the adventurous, passionate couple that they are, um, they bought a motorhome and we travelled <laughs> around Australia for a year. Cool. Um, doing, doing my dad's show, Mana, at... Um, hundreds of different schools and so my brother and I basically you know a part of our brothers Kuba he was a little baby then um were part of his show and we traveled around to Uluru and Exmouth and Esperance and Kalgoorlie and Katamatite and just everywhere um around this amazing country Australia and then settled in Brisbane kind of forgot about the Australian Ballet School, got more into hip-hop and tap, and I still did ballet, but just, you know, it wasn't as um, major. And then went to a master class, and a teacher remembered me from when I was in the school, and she said, would you like to pursue this professionally? I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> and then that was it. And then a guy, another boy in the class said, are you doing the audition tomorrow? I said, oh, I didn't know there was one. And that audition actually was on a Sunday. Um, and I said to mom, I really would like to audition for the Australian Ballet. And, and I said, to her, I know it's on a Sunday. Should we do it? Like, should I, should I audition on a Sunday? And we prayed about it. And, you know, I felt, I felt really good about it. And, and she said, you know, she said to me, like, outside of that situation, she's like, you know, she really um, felt that I had a gift and really felt I had something to offer 
And I guess, you know, it took a bit of faith on her part to follow that feeling that, you know, this was something that is worth pursuing. Because, you know, and we went to church, you know, we took the sacrament and then I went to the audition. Mm. So it wasn't like, you know, we were still able to to make that work. Um, and, yeah, and so I did the audition and the rest is history. Now I'm a soloist with the Australian Ballet and um, loving it. What kind of demands are on you physically? Do you have like a strict diet or exercise regime every day or is you just kind of naturally fit because you're dancing all the time? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you exercise around eight to nine hours a day <laughs> and you're going to, you're going to lose something, oh <laughs> whether it's sweat or weight or blood or tears. Uh, you're going to lose yeah, something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, you know, that does keep us fit. Um, it's so, it's so rigorous. I mean, yeah. I, like if I was to go through a day, you know, it starts at, well, class starts at 10:30, but it's your career. You know, how well do you want your career to go? Do you want to, do you want to warm up in the morning before class so that you have a good class? So, you know, you come to work maybe 45 minutes earlier, get dressed, do a half hour warm up then you've got class for an hour and 15 15 minute break if you want to improve maybe you practice in that 15 minute break and have a banana and an apple and into straight into the next rehearsal which goes till 2 30 and then in your break uh, this is on a non-performance day you'll have lunch but if you want to, you know, get on top of things, maybe you're injured, you see the physio and you go to the rehab room and physio appointments take 30 minutes or you go to the myotherapist, that's 30 minutes um, and your break is only an hour and 15. And then if you're involved in any sort of media things, that's another 15 minutes or 20 minutes of your time, you know, talking to someone about the next ballet that's coming up or you know, and then you go straight into another rehearsal until 6.30. And then if you're like me, like to do exercises at the end of the day and you stay an extra half hour, <laughs> an hour. So, wow. you know, yeah. And then you add a performance on top of that from 7.30. Well, you have to be signed in an hour before, so no, half an hour before, so 7 o'clock till 10.30. And then some people ice their legs after a show that takes 15 minutes and then you get home around 11 or 11.30 and do it all again for six days a week. Oh. And some days, Wednesday and Saturday, have double shows. So you've got a show that starts at 1.30 and finishes at 3 or 4. So, yeah, and there's like one-off things that happen throughout the year where you have photo shoots and maybe you're an ambassador for Block, like it's a dancewear brand and you have to do um, philanthropy things where you're like meeting and greeting after a show and saying hi yeah. and thank you for funding the Australian Ballet. And, and then you've got side projects maybe that you want to be involved in um, artistically. So it's just... You're literally like. Were there ever moments where you felt um, 
or, or situations where you really had to explain your beliefs and stand up for the things that you believe oh, in? Yeah. Because I, I imagine in terms of drinking and drugs, there must be kind of minimal in the ballet world because you have to be taking care of your bodies, right? Yeah. It, honestly, like I think drinking and drugs, it's not like one industry or the other. It's actually to do with the culture of a group a dynamic of a certain group because, you know, in the ballet school, there would be some groups that were great, really clean, really good people would get through focused on other groups, really talented people like dancers, but would party a lot and just actually take illegal drugs and, you know, and really it it was eye opening because it's like, well, it's actually to do with, the dynamic of the people around you, not the industry. Because in the end, that's all we are as people. And when they would ask me about it, you know, it's, um, it's just one of those moments that you really learn how to be, be um, courageous. You know, you, you just like, yep, I'm going to stick with it. This is what I believe. I'm not going to be wishy-washy and we're going to make this work, you know. I'm going to still be their friend and we're going to grow together. You know, um, it might be really uncomfortable at the beginning, but I'll get over it. They'll get over it. It'll work out in the end. So that's kind of the approach I've had to, you know, Oh, you want to drink? No, sorry. I don't drink. Just give it a try. Blah, blah, blah. And in the end they've, you know, like you, you hear all the time, they help you in the end, you know, they like, Oh, he doesn't drink. It's okay. And, you know, yeah. to help you live that life. So, yeah. So once you demonstrated that you still worked really hard, did you find that your peers and your teachers respected the decisions you made? Yeah. And in fact, it's a, um, it's, they learn to trust you more because your conviction to uh, belief is so strong. You know, in the beginning it looks like weakness, but in the end it's strength. So yeah, it definitely has been a journey of faith. It's actually, I think it's pushed me more, it's pushed me more outside my comfort zone. The, the different things that have, have come out, like have um, come up in my life, have pushed me further than what I would have if I was living, you know, in a normal job. It's studying and and learning in a, in a, a much more normal way it would have been much more comfortable so and and maybe you know i mean i don't know if i i can't tell the two different pathways but maybe would have been less testing on me on my faith yeah. well, i think i know what you mean because it's only in moments when we're doing something uncomfortable or challenging or when we're in an environment where we're the only one who believes in God or Jesus Christ that we really have to put it to the test. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that we can actually bring the most value um, as representatives of Christ when we are with other people and it's a bit dangerous to kind of stay in our little bubble and, and not really come out of that membership if you think about it with the Australian ballet school and the Australian ballet, and this is just within that organization, there are about 200 or 300 people involved in, in that 
company, whether they're teachers from the Australian Ballet School, that they're not employed by the Australian Ballet, but they're connected to the school. And I grew up through the school, uh, all the pianists there. Um, you've got all the people that do costumes, set design, lighting. Um, they fit you with your wigs and your, your headpieces and your costumes and the people that do marketing and interview you and get to know you, the people that manage the building itself, that do the car parts and you say hi to every morning, the receptionists, you know, and the directors, the artistic staff, the people that edit the videos. Um, you just have a, and, and then you've got all your 80 dancers. Um, you just have a huge amount of people in your organization at the moment that all know that you're a member because mm -hmm. you don't think, and you've been on a mission. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, not many people take a sabbatical out of their ballet career. No, right? <laughs> no, I mean, actually there is one guy, a Danish guy, I think that I have recently heard of if, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name, but if you're listening to this, I'd love to, you know, get to know you because, yeah, I remember just being a teen and being so, like, feeling like the pioneers back in the day, not knowing the blueprint of how this is meant to work. I look to people like William Hoppawati to help me to understand, you know, what's possible and... Um, not all, not only for me to know what's possible, but for people I worked for to have proof that, um, that it, you that can, you can still be a ballet dancer and believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's very cool. No worries. I actually have another story. Can I share? With yeah, you? share. So, um, I, it was 2017 and um, we were doing the uh, premiere of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland in Melbourne by Christopher Wilden. Um, big deal for the Australian Ballet. Was that the one where they had the Queen of Hearts in that amazing costume where she was like, I don't know, what, 20 feet high? That's or something? the one, yes. And I was the uh, caterpillar. Were oh, you? Yes. Oh, it's so fun. I never got to see it, but my sister oh, and my mum went. They yeah. raved about it's it. Five stars. It's great. And at the time, the improvement of marriage equality was being put forward in society. And three days before we opened, they had organised um, for after the ballet, when we do a curtain call, the curtain comes up, we bow to the audience, they clap for the orchestra to play the wedding march and have yes signs and big heart-shaped balloons. And, and, and I didn't at the time know how I felt about that. My friend Richard actually came up to me. He's like, are you gonna, are you gonna like be part of it? Like on stage? I grew up in the school with him. So he knew that that was something that I, you know, would obviously be conflicted with, you know, it's, um, and that's a true friend. I'm really grateful that he, you know, and that's, that's actually some advice I would give. If you are in a group and you feel a negative vibe from people and there's a particular person that's, you know, attacking you, take note of that person and at another time, talk with that person alone and just 
just be really honest and, and open and ask them like what their view is and, 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 and let them know yourself, what, you know, how you've grown up and, and what you feel and what you think and just, you know, try to find something that you have in common and build on that. Um, people and, and do this on social media too. If there's a post and everyone is making comments about this one topic, go out of that group chat and, and message the person directly because they'll feel less attacked. They'll feel less vulnerable and you can be actually more authentically open with each other. Um, yeah. So, you know, having that one-on-one conversation with my friend Richard really helped me and my conviction of what I, you know, wanted to do. And so I just, you know, I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I, I don't know enough about this yet to, to make this kind of grand gesture. Yeah. This gesture. Um, and so, yeah, we took the first curtain call Kurt came down, they all got ready and I just, you know, sneaked off to the side and then dun, 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 they all did the, you know, I mean, it, it was incredible though. Like I must say with the yeah, orchestra, the impact of that. And, um, and the crowd roaring and, but, um, I don't regret not being a part of that because it was me being able to stand by my beliefs, but also, you know, I, I wanted to think about it before I, before I did anything. I wanted to actually understand what I thought about it because I didn't know. So it wasn't just a matter of, you know, this is what I believe. It was also me trying to take a step away from what was going on and just, you know, digest because it's, it's it's now uh, a part of our life in society and um yeah, when you yeah you know i think the views of different members in the church vary greatly on the matter but what i like about what you're saying is we can still take time to consider matters that are important in society and are important to our faith and and there's ways that you can marry up those different ideas and important to your friends, you know, like when you are a, you know, representative of Christ, they have to know that they are valued and considered. Um, and it doesn't mean that you don't, you don't stand by your beliefs, but, you know, asking them their opinion does so much. You know, I, I it was coming time to vote for, um, you know, prime minister. And I remember going up to a guy and saying, do you have time to talk? I would really like to know, you know, what you think about this, you know, how you feel about this. And it's just, it's really valuable doing that because you're developing a relationship with them that they know you care. And you're, you're being Christ-like, you know, um, it doesn't mean you have to agree with what they believe, but you're, you're, you're trying to understand. What you're saying is really, really key. If we want to actually be proper representatives of Christ, we need to care and love about other people and, and put the effort in to find out who they are. Yeah, I think, 
I think that's it. Like if people understand there's effort put in and it makes a lot of difference, you know, like to try, to try to, to help that situation work with your beliefs and their beliefs together where you can build. Yeah. Well, thanks for that story. So you were, what was it, 18 when you joined the actual company? Nine. Um, yes. 19. All right. Well, that's definitely around the time that boys start to think about or even leave on missions. What were your thoughts at the time? Was it something so, that you wanted to do? Yeah, I had made, I'd always wanted to go on a mission, but when I was about 16 or 17, my parents moved down to Melbourne and we had a, you know, 18, 20 hour car ride from Brisbane to Melbourne. And I just remember talking to them about this and trying to figure it, not it out with them. Talking was so good about a plan to have. If there's any advice I could give someone that's in the arts, you know, a teenager growing up is just like, you know, this doesn't have to be in concrete, but it's really good to have a plan. And, and so that's what I did. And yeah, I was 17 and we like, you know, what should I do? Should I go on a mission after I finished with the school or should I go, you know, after the company? And I felt that it would have been good to develop a relationship with the companies that they knew who I was, then leave and come back. And, that, and that's why they would take me back is because they trust me. They know the dancer I am. They want that, you know, um, so, yeah, so I really made a decision to go on a mission around the age of 16, 17. And wow. <laughs> it was malleable, like it wasn't set. You know, I was still looking at other options, but I had a, a rough draft or a sketch of what I wanted my future to look like. And I was okay with it changing, but I, I was just like, yeah, I think that is what I'm, I, you know, um, I'm looking for. It's funny, like it was, it was easy at the time actually, but after it was challenging after the mission. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really, yeah, very blessed in, in how my first few years in the company were like, you know, my second year I got in a really good part. And I was nominated for Telstra Ballet Dancer of the Year and I won the People's Choice of that award and I bought my first apartment. At the time I was dating a girl that I really liked. So everything was just like perfect. Um, <laughs> it sounds like there's a but coming. <laughs> yeah. And then but then was my plan to go on a mission. And I felt, you know what, like I – at the time I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy with where I am in my career. I'm, I'm good to go on a mission and so full of enthusiasm to give more on a mission. Um, there were like, bef before I went on a mission, I was looking at different options, like to see if I could serve a 12 month mission or is there a type of mission I could serve here in Melbourne? That's like half, half kind of thing. And I'd, I, you know, we sent the area presidency a letter explaining my situation and what made me really decide to serve a full-time mission is I just, you know, read my paycheck of blessing and it was very clear to me that 
you know, I needed to to do that. And and I'm glad I did because although I I don't think missions are, you know, imperative to someone's testimony, it gives someone a very good, clear understanding of how the church functions, how it happens backstage, basically. <laughs> you know? Before the curtains come up. Exactly. Yeah. Like with all the state presidents and what they have to go through and missionaries and how they, you know, take care of each individual and record them and make sure that all these records are kept. There's no sort of guessing of how that's all mysteriously done. You know, it's you actually are backstage or, you know, you're in, in behind the scenes as a missionary learning about how the church functions. And that's something I think that understanding is, has been really good for me to have. Thanks for sharing that about your mission. I think I would agree. It kind of, you hear this before you go on a mission, right? Like it's not the best two years of your life, but for your life. For me, I think it helped set me up on a path where I realized this is how I can contribute to a community of faith and this is how I can serve and bring meaning to people's lives. You did mention that it was difficult on your transition back into the ballet scene. Why was that? Well, naturally, you know, people compare themselves to other people. And when I got back, I was later on thinking, you know, where would I be now if I hadn't gone? Would I be a principal by now? Would I? And I do not regret going on a mission at all. I would would not you know, take that back. But those thoughts, you know, do come when you're in a, an industry like that where it's so moving forward and competitive. You know, it's healthy competition, but nonetheless, it's there. Needs to be there, I assume. Yeah, it has to be, yeah. So you're, you're always challenging yourself to, to be better and give the best performance. Yeah, so we, we all kind of struggle post-mission, I think. But what lessons did you pick up and how has your faith in God in general helped you since that time, particularly through the challenges of ballet? I think um, the lessons I've learned from my mission is um, miracles are real, but it's not necessarily the miracles that create my faith because I've, I've been so amazed that, you know, that, and that's kind of what miracles have been is like amazing and you almost can't believe it. And when you say those words, I can't believe it, there's actually some truth to that. Like it's actually really hard to believe a miracle. Whereas when you, you know, have, have a small, you know, feeling of faith within you, it's actually easier to comprehend that and to feel that because you're feeling it. It's not something you're seeing that's outside of you, but it's something that you're feeling. And so, you know, it's that has definitely been something that I learned on my mission is that the things that are going to strengthen my, you know, belief in God and in the Savior, Jesus Christ, are those feelings I have towards Christ, towards God, towards my faith in the gospel, 
it's those small feelings that actually mean the most to me. Although, you know, miracles definitely confirm my faith. Um, yeah, it's, uh, that's definitely something that is what I've learned from a mission in terms of ballet. Um, the church really made sense to me, like rules, commandments, living them, why we should live them. When I had a teacher, Dale Baker, and he, you know, ballet is a specific goal. It's very specific. It's not this kind of anything goes thing. <laughs> it's like, it's, it seems to be very rule based. Yeah. I mean, if you've got one toe out of line. Yeah. Right. The year you're screwed. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, this is a sickle. This is a fish. Like you can't, you know, like with your foot. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, and, and, you know, the gospel has very specific goals as well. You know, it's not fluid. It's not like, you know, I, and something might, happiness like no like this will happen if you do this and this and this it's very specific um you know following rules don't do this it'll help you be able to move forward and so that's how you know ballet and the gospel really just made a lot of sense to me um at the age of 18 and really helped me you know um find my testimony in the, the truthfulness of the church, like of the, you know, the restored gospel. Um, I already, I've always felt God was real, but, you know, doing ballet really helped me see because, you know, and, and, and the, the great thing is, is that with rules in ballet, if you follow all those rules consistently, you have, absolute freedom to move in the way that you want to move within ballet. You know, if you are doing your, if you do, you know, rises every day, that calf will get strong and you can hold the balance for as long as you want. But if you don't do those calf rises, the opportunity to do that is just not there. And so I just, and everything, everything, you know, and then you can be as creative and, you know, just, uh, expressive and, and, you know, you can stretch your boundaries within, within ballet because you have stuck to the rules. It's such a crazy thing. Like how can I, isn't that crazy that it's I It's very counterintuitive. Yes. Yeah. Not the way how you would think. How is yeah. it that I can push myself and, and push my boundaries when I am keeping these rules, you know, but it is, it is that way with ballet, you know, like you can jump higher. If you do this more, you can turn more. If you do this more, if you keep on the music, you will be able to, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just so many things to the discipline of ballet to achieve a specific goal that makes sense to me within the gospel. And, um, and so, you know, things like reading your scriptures and praying, you know, in a family and, 
um, you know, having the sacrament every week, doing, doing those things consistently and having that discipline will actually allow you to have so much freedom in your receptiveness to the, the spirit and the Holy ghost. And you'll be able to start asking questions, um, about how to help people and, you know, push your boundaries of how to help someone, you know? So, uh, that's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying because it's describing that if we really put in the effort, the, the daily rules, if we follow them, we have much more freedom as to how we can live our life via revelation, but also how we can help other people. And, you know, president Nelson, he talks about how the mysteries of the universe are available to everyone, which just seems so unreachable and unfathomable. I don't know how to get to that point. But maybe if I just do my spiritual car phrases every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and but the thing is, it is really hard. In ballet, it's like the days that you feel like incredible and on top of everything and just elated and like just you know, you feel like it's out of this world. Very few in comparison to the amount of times where you feel very human and very if I have to do one more calf rise in this rehab room, I'm going to go crazy, you know? But yeah, you, you just, um, your passion for the art keeps you going. And I guess, you know, your belief and the experiences you have spiritually keep you going. You know, you remember how you feel and what you want. That is the thing that will keep you going to keep doing those mundane, sometimes, sorry, mundane things that you need to do to keep your health, you know, going. Your spiritual health. Spiritual health, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to ask you how you think the arts and ballet relate to the gospel, but you pretty much nailed it already. So I might jump to one of the final questions. What advice would you give to kids or teenagers who might be considering a career in the arts but are put off by parents or other mentors who say you know you need a job that's going to earn you money yeah i mean life in general is not easy that's you know you have to recognize that number one advice would be talk to people about it as much as you can ask as many questions about what it's like in the industry to as many people that you know that are involved in that industry. Because um, once you can get a feel for what it's like, then you can know how it can work in the gospel. I mean, I mean, you look at our apostles, they were like BYU directors, pilots, surgeons. That is an incredibly impossible lifestyle, and yet they're an, an apostle. It is still possible to have faith in God and to live a gospel-centered life and have the passion of, you know, being in a career that you love. It, it's still possible to have that. And if you ask people and pray about it and keep talking to people about it, more pieces of the puzzle will come to you to see, you know, okay, well, that's what it might look like, you know. And, and yeah, pray about it in the end, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's really good advice. 
what what can we expect from you in the future? What what are you working on with ballet? Are you not allowed to say? Or <laughs> we are getting ready for a new season next year because of the nature of of COVID. Other things are actually up in the air still, subject to change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but there are a lot of exciting things happening in the Australian ballet. There's there's a new director. David Holberg, who is world famous and from American Ballet Theatre. So our previous director, David McAllister, of 20 years in the company, is retiring this year mm-hmm. and there will be a wow. new era, a new director for the Australian Ooh, Ballet. exciting. Yeah, which means choreographers from overseas, you know, Europe, New York, it's it's really it sounds like the the culture could change too. Oh, completely. totally. Yeah, you yeah. Oh, keep, very cool. Keep your eye on the Australian ballet this year and and the years to come to see that because yeah, it'll be big big changes for everyone. Um, and his you know vision and insight and experience is really exciting as well. And his youth, you know, he's he's in his thirties and it's just really exciting to be part of a established company with a young energetic director at helm. so very cool you obviously have like your mum kind of saw when you were younger a gift and I can see the heavenly impact that you being in that environment must be having on people around you so I really thank you for for sharing your thoughts sharing your testimony and like how Will Hopawadi was an example to you, I think you can be that example to some younger people. So the title of this podcast is Choosing Faith. What does choosing faith look like to you and how do you go about it? The scripture in Alma um, that talks about, you know, about faith, you know, I'm um, having a hope in something that you can't see. It's interesting because to me, hope and faith, is having a vision. You know, it's it's obviously not a tactile physical view, but you know, when you have a vision of what you want out of your life, then you can work towards it. And that working towards it is choosing faith. I actually have another story. I was 15. I had just moved out of um, home and moved to Melbourne and stayed home, stayed with a family who were members of the church. And my first year into the Australian Valley School full time, super excited. My whole life was ahead of me. Yeah. Awesome. Came home from school one day with the dad of the family, drove into the garage, parked the car, and he looked at me and he said, how is this all going to work? How are you going to be able to serve a mission? I just, I just don't see how you will be able to, to make a career like this work with the gospel. And I was 15, very impressionable. I was devastated. That, yeah, that must have been heartbreaking. You know, oh, yeah, I just moved from home, you know, like I was away from my family and, and I later realized he needed faith. You know, I, I had put in a lot of courage to, to move away from home, to pursue uh, a career and a, and a hope also to be in the gospel always. 
that's what I had with me. Just because there wasn't a blueprint ahead of me of that happening for other people didn't mean that it wasn't possible for me. And I think that's something that he couldn't see. So sometimes people that, you know, are well-intended, you know, in the gospel, sometimes they also can't see what's possible. So, you know, faith is a very individual thing and it isn't always um, dependent on what others think. Yeah. So that's an experience I had that really, like looking back on it, even made my faith even stronger in mm. in the gospel because I was like, wow, I made it. <laughs> like I made it through all that. You can hold on to that moment and say, no, it is possible. No matter what the naysayers might think or express, the gospel itself is is living it is individual i mean <laughs> what we are experiencing in covid at the moment is completely has been my life has been my life in in the ballet you know being alone in a city in a new city traveling with the australian ballet having to get myself up go to the sacrament you know find a way to nourish myself spiritually find friends in a new place that's all things that that you know when you're in a career that's full on you actually need to do and and you fall sometimes but then when you go back you realize oh my gosh i need this food i need this this calm in my life you know this peace that it brings with it um yeah man the gospel brings so much confidence you know everything becomes an opportunity when when god's in the picture because you feel confident in that in a plan, you know, of, of happiness for you as his child. Thanks for tuning in this week. I hope that you enjoyed listening to Jake's story and are now frantically Googling the Australian Ballet to see what productions are in store for 2021. As always, if you have a friend or family member whose story you'd like to hear on this show, get in touch with me via the Choosing Faith podcast pages on Facebook or Instagram. See you next time.